Welcome to Center Ice. I'm Matt, and with me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Mac. Let's jump right into it, because it's been a very busy off-season so far. Lots of trades, lots of signings, and potentially a few more big names to come that have yet to sign. Maybe a couple trades. Very busy. Let's jump into the biggest trade that has happened so far this offseason. That is Alex Dabrinkit going to the Detroit Red Wings. And a pretty good deal for Stevie Y, all things considered. The Senators get Dominic Kubalik and prospect Donovan Sabrango and a conditional first and a 2024 fourth. If you're Stevie Y, you got to be pretty happy with this deal because Alex Dabrinkit essentially said, I'm only going to Detroit. That's what we've all been hearing out here in Ottawa land. I want to go home and play with my hometown team. And they're the only team I really want to negotiate with. So Pierre Dorian had his hands tied here and it worked out very well for Stevie Y. Yeah, this is a tough one for Pierre Dorian to take because again, you know, you're in a position where you've got to deal the player. It wasn't quite as bad as say Matthew Kachuk. This was going to happen one way or another. And because all the teams other than Detroit had sort of made their moves, they were really the only team left that had a good offer to give for Debrinket. First of all, it's a good deal, I think, for both teams. Obviously, it depends what happens with this prospect, Sabrango, and what happens with the conditional first-round pick. But again, first-round picks, you never know until you see what happens with them. Sometimes they're sort of afterthoughts in deals, and then a team makes really good use of said draft pick or picks and wins the trade. So we'll see what happens. But I think Alex Dabrinkat, even though he did have a good season in Ottawa, he's still kind of living in Patrick Kane's shadow. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of people, and quite rightly, believing Alex Dabrinkat was really lifted up by Patrick Kane. And, you know, this is credit to how good of a player Patrick Kane is. But I don't think Dabrinkat has proven yet that he is the 40-goal scorer that can do it on his own without a guy like Patrick Kane as his winger. To be fair to Alex Dabrinkit, Mac, Dabrinkit didn't get top line minutes in Ottawa last year, and I think that's one of the reasons why it was never going to work in Ottawa, is when Ottawa has the top line of Giroux, Stutzla, Kachuk, Norris coming back, right? You're sort of wondering, who's going to be the odd man out here? And in this case, it happened to be Alex Dabrinkit, because Dabrinkit wants top line minutes. He's the type of guy that wants to get paid as a top liner. He was a top line guy in Chicago with Patrick Kane, and he should be a top line guy with Larkin in Detroit coming this fall. You do have to wonder at the same time, is he going to put up the big points we saw him put up in Chicago and Detroit? I don't think so. I feel like what we saw with Dabrinkit in Ottawa might be more akin to what we're seeing, which isn't bad. You know, 27 goals and 34 assists, over 60 points. That's not bad. That's a good player. You know, no coach GM is going to complain about that kind of production, but I don't think we should be expecting Dabrinkit to get 40 goals night in and night out, especially on this Detroit team because Detroit's top six isn't nearly as good as Ottawa's top six. Now, as I said, Dabrinkit's going to get top line minutes, which will make a difference. He just signed in Detroit. I think that's a fair deal. Yeah, I think it's a good deal for both sides. I agree he still has a lot to prove. And you mentioned this is a hometown kid, and that's absolutely true. He's a Michigan native. He played his junior hockey with the Erie Otters. So this is pretty exciting for him. And like you mentioned, the opportunity to play with an all-star like Dylan Larkin, not that he wasn't playing with good players in Ottawa, and obviously he played with good players in Chicago. This is another opportunity, and I think this is really kind of a prove-it deal for Dabrinkat, right? Like, show us what you're made of here. 
Stevie Y didn't sign him to a long-term deal. He signed him for four years at the rate you would expect for a 30 to 40 goal scorer. Maybe he can do really well with this deal, and maybe he can turn that into a more long-term extension. But like you said, the jury is still out on Debrinkat a little bit. What we do know is he's a great passer. He's a great offensive player. He's got a good shot. He's a very good skater. But there are other things that he still needs to iron out in his game, and the only person that's going to change that is him. Nobody else. Mm-hmm. The one thing that does concern me a lot with Alex Debrinkit, and this might have just been a microcosm of playing on the Ottawa Senators last year, because the Suns' 5-on-5 five five scoring wasn't all that great last year. 27 goals last year, Mac. Only 12 of them came at even strength. The rest all came on power play. So Debrinkit, at least from what we saw in Ottawa, a real power play specialist. Good for him, you know. You need guys that can score on the power play, but for the money he wants to get eventually, you need to be scoring on five on five. That's where the big bucks are earned. It's one thing to score goals when you're up a man, but when it's five on five and the game is tied, that's where the big bucks are earned. And I'll be very curious to see if his five on five numbers rebound next year, or are they going to stay about the same? Yeah, for sure. Now, a little segue here. What about Steve Iserman? Because to me, this offseason says a lot about where this team is at and where he is at. And I wonder if he's starting to feel the heat a little bit, right? Like, you can only ride that persona of Golden Boy Savior GM for so long. And I think over the last few years, there's a lot of questionable things that he has done or not done. And this is kind of a slow, not what was expected rebuild for Detroit when they brought this guy in from Tampa Bay. So, I mean, first of all, I like the additions this offseason, like Debrinkat, Daniel Sprong, Clem Costin, Alex Lyons, Shane Gostaspare. But like JT Comfer for 5.1 for five years. I don't know if I like that one. Philip Zadina is a guy he had in his organization who he did not draft. He was drafted in 2018. But the way they've handled Zadina throughout is not very good. And now he's gone to San Jose for one year after they put him on waivers. So there's a lot of issues here with Detroit. I wonder if he's starting to think, okay, how much longer do I really have here to prove myself? Because he was very candid and open in an interview last year where he said, hey, this hasn't been easy. We're not where we want to be. And I want to get us in a better place. But do you agree that it's been kind of a a bit of a struggle for Steve Eiserman to rebuild this Detroit team? Oh, it absolutely has been. You look at Comparing them to the Sens is completely fair because both teams started a rebuild about the same time. And I'd say even with the addition of Debrinket to Detroit, Ottawa is still far and away the better team than the Detroit Red Wings. And Pierre Dorian's on the hot seat in Ottawa as well. So I think it's only fair that Stevie Wise should be on the hot seat in Detroit. You look at Detroit last year and going into February, they were in conversation for a playoff spot. And then they go to Ottawa at the end of February. They get absolutely trounced by the sends in two games back to back and everything just falls apart from there they were sort of treading water all season they weren't bad enough to tank they weren't good enough to be a playoff contender they were kind of just there they really haven't rebounded since and we'll see what happens in the fall but even with these additions mac i still don't see this detroit team as a playoff team their top six is okay it's not great i'd say ottawa's top six is better and so is buffalo's but when you look at the bottom six in particular detroit's bottom six is very weak 
week. And I do have questions about the goaltending as well. You know, Vili Huso struggled at times. Of course, he had injuries as well. But when I look at Detroit as a whole, you know, there's still an awful lot of holes that need to be plugged before I can confidently say that this team is a playoff contender this year. Yeah, I agree with that. We'll see what happens. But I do think that there's a reason for these moves. And it's not just about making the Red Wings better. I I think he's generally starting to wonder about his job security because, you know, we've seen it a lot in the last few years. Even the most secure GMs who have a great track record can get let go. And you have to wonder how much longer the Illich family is going to be patient with this team because I think fans are tired of waiting and rightfully so. I mean, this team should be in a better position right now than they are. Bottom line. You can only sell hope for so long, Mac. We're seeing that with both Ottawa and Detroit this offseason. Both fan bases, they've had long playoff droughts at this point. Both teams started rebuilds about the same time, and both fans are getting very impatient, and rightly so. As you and I have mentioned, there are some great pieces here in Detroit. You know, there's Cider, Larkin, Debrinkit. It's not enough, and I think if Detroit is struggling at the deadline or they're well out of it early on in the season, I think there's a good chance that Stevie Y will get let go. Yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, let's go on to some free agent talk. Obviously, a lot of moves have been made. And let's start with the Pittsburgh Penguins because they've made a lot of moves, not only in free agency, but in trades. What are your thoughts on what they've done so far? Well, the one that really surprised me was Jari. You know, I I was really surprised that Dubas would pull the trigger on that. You know, that's a big risk, right? He's had flashes of brilliance before. You and I have seen it. Everyone's seen it. But for every flash of brilliance, he's had long stretches where he's been very inconsistent. I don't know if he's the guy. Now, goalies, it wasn't a very strong goaltending market this year, Mac. You and I mm-hmm. both know that. At the same time, you know, if Kyle Dubas wanted to make it work with a guy like Gibson, right? Remember, Gibson is still available. Why didn't you make that work? Pittsburgh has pieces. I still think that Pittsburgh is playing as though they have a real shot at playoffs. That's what these moves signal to me more than anything else, Mac. I think it's just delaying the inevitable. I said it back in uh, our last episode, and it's worth repeating again. I don't think that these are the types of moves that'll work out well long term. Short term, I think they'll be fine. But long term, you know, you really have to wonder, right? Guys like Lars Eller and Graves, right? Bringing these guys in short term looks good. Yeah, I do want to mention Jason Zucker who signed with another team to me Jason Zucker was one of their most consistent forwards last year you know he goes hard into the corners he's a max effort type of player to me he's going to be very valuable on his new team and I think they're going to miss him a lot now I will say that I do like the signings of uh, Nola Chari and I do like the trade for Riley Smith although I don't love the number for Riley Smith I understand what Kyle Dubas is trying to do, and I agree with you. You know, they're they're a good team, but I don't think they're much better than they were. To me, he brought in a different mix of players, but I don't think that mix of players really changes this team that much going into next year. And like I said, I think Jason Zucker will be missed a lot. He was a fan favorite there. And without Jason Zucker on that team last year, that team is not even getting a sniff near the playoffs. He was outstanding for them. You know, maybe the numbers don't necessarily show it, but if you watch that team play a good amount, you would notice him a lot. Obviously, you notice Crosby, Malkin, all those guys, but Zucker was right up there, and there's a reason that he played such a huge role. So we'll see what happens, but Kyle Dubas, the storyline is the same. The draft, he drafts the smallest players, okay? It it doesn't change. He gets into free agency with a new team he spends to the cap. He's never been good at managing around the cap. Well, let's move on to another team in the Metropolitan here, Mac, and uh, 
How about the New York Islanders, eh? You know, the Islanders, I, I seriously question what's going on with Lou Lamorello and the Islanders. Because remember, two, three seasons ago, you and I would have been raving about the Lou plan here. We would have been saying, this team is built well. They've made consecutive conference finals. They're a couple pieces away from getting into the Stanley Cup. And now, mediocrity is probably best case scenario for the Islanders. I, I really don't see them making a real push next year. I don't know about you. The thing is, is that they don't have any cap space to work with anything either. Because, you know... Lou just loves to hand out long-term deals. Yeah, I don't know how much I can add to that. To me, the teams around them are getting better and they're getting worse or staying the same every year. And obviously we love the Sorokin signing. He's an outstanding goalie. But why are you signing Pierre Engvall for seven years? What? Who else got a big deal? Mayfield? Like, yep. look at their team. I would say 75% of their team has long-term contracts. <laughs> Something like that, right? Yep. And who's going to want these guys, right? If the Islanders want to retool, rebuild, right? Moving these contracts is going to take a lot of draft capital in some cases. Well, Lou will find that out the hard way. So before we move on to some some of our favorite free agent signings, I got to say that this is the first year that I can remember in a very long time where free agency was not crazy and outlandish, and it was actually very reasonable. A lot of these deals are team-friendly. There's a lot of bet-on-yourself deals, one-year deals, two-year deals, three-year deals. There's much less four- and five-year deals. I think this is a good change, don't you? Yeah, and I think a big thing that's spurring this, Mac, is the flat cap. I know it's gone up by a million, but it's pretty much a flat cap. Next offseason, you watch. You can quote me on this, Mac. When the cap goes up significantly next offseason, we're going to go right back to where we were every other year. It's a nice, refreshing change. Don't get me wrong. I'm very happy to see it. But you know as well as I do, with a strong free agent class potentially next summer and the cap potentially going up a lot next summer, we could see a lot of crazy deals come right back. For sure. Okay, so let's get into some of our favorite deals of free agency, and then we'll talk about some of the worst deals. I mean, how about Matt Duchesne being bought out by Nashville, which again was probably the right move, but then he signs a bargain contract for one year and three million with Dallas. That's an absolute steal, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. You know, Matt Duchesne, last season, he had some real ups and downs, but we know he's a good player. He's been pretty consistent throughout his career, and this is a prove-it deal for Duchesne, you know? There's no risk in terms of Dallas having this deal backfire on them. It's all on reward. This is the type of deal where if Matt Duchesne plays up to the potential that we know we can, we can look back at the deadline and next offseason and say that was a steal of a deal and he brings some much needed forward depth to the Dallas Stars. How about Milan Lucic shipping back to Boston for one year and one million? Well, you know, there's one thing the Bruins love is bringing back the old boys club, Mac, and they're trying to rekindle those 2011 vibes, don't you know? <laughs> Keep this ship running. But in all seriousness, I like this deal. You know, Lucic... I've had issues with him in the past, but it it was less on how he was playing and more of the contract he signed versus what he was getting. For what Lucic does at this point, for $1 million, that's a great signing for the Boston Bruins. He's a great team guy. He's very well liked. He's a good leader. And that, to me, that's about as cheap as you're ever going to get him. He's a guy who can play in your bottom six. You can float him on your top six, depending on how he's playing. He can be a little bit streaky. But like you said, the only issue with Lucic has always been, okay, what's the salary at? But here for one year and one million, you can't go wrong with that. That's a really good deal for Boston and for Lucic. Well, how about Buffalo being a little bit active, which we don't usually say, and bringing in Eric Johnson, a good defensive defenseman, and Connor Clifton, a good two-way defenseman, to complement that young decor? 
I like it. You know, Buffalo's had a good young decor, but it's inexperienced. That was the problem with Buffalo's decor. And now you've got in two guys in Connor Clifton and Eric Johnson who both have had lots of experience at the NHL, both play their roles really well, and just shore up that Buffalo defense that's already quite good. And it's just getting better, and both on reasonable deals, you know. Again, we talk about reasonable deals. These are two reasonable deals, and Clifton and Johnson will give Buffalo exactly what they need. Carson Soucy moves on from Seattle to Vancouver. This is exactly the type of player the Canucks wanted to acquire, and at a good number. Three years, 3.25 per. Yeah, that's about as good of a deal as you can get for a guy like Susie in today's market. Vancouver, they've got a long way to go, but having a guy like Susie on the blue line, he was very good in Seattle last year. He'll help really solidify that Vancouver blue line. Well, the downfall of the Winnipeg Jets continues, and Blake Wheeler gets bought out, but then signs in New York with the Rangers for one year and 800000 This is definitely a proven deal for Wheeler. You know, similar to the DeShane deal here, Mac. You know, this is one of those deals where... There's pretty much no risk for the Rangers in this one. Wheeler could absolutely shine in New York. We know how good of a player he can be. Of course, he's had struggles. But being in New York, a fresh start, a change of scenery, and on a league minimum contract, this has the potential to be an absolute steal for the Rangers. And now we have to mention Max Domi signing with his hometown Maple Leafs. Of course, Ty Domi played for the Maple Leafs for a long time. This is a really good deal for Toronto. Very reasonable number. Domi was good with Dallas and good with Chicago. This is a good depth addition that I think is as good or better than Michael Bunting. And you want to talk about differences between GMs and philosophies. Kyle Dubas would never sign a player like Tyler Bertuzzi. Brad Tree Living says, let's try and bring him on for a year if we can make it work. And sure enough, he says no to Boston and yes to Toronto. I think those are really good deals. Oh, I agree. You know, the the one that I really like, I like the Bertuzzi deal for sure. But I think people are sleeping on this Domi deal. You and I have both been fans of Domi since he came into the NHL. He has had some struggles at times. He's gone stretches where he's just gone cold. But when he is on and he's playing his game, he he's one of the most underrated bottom six guys in the league, Mac. He could be a huge difference maker for the Toronto Maple Leafs this season and going into the playoffs. These are two moves that I think could really pay dividends, not just in the season, but getting into the playoffs. Bertuzzi's got some grit to him, but he's also got a lot of scoring. And the same with Domi. You know, Domi, I love that deal so much because it's depth scoring and the Leafs needed some depth scoring. And Domi will deliver that. And Tyler Bertuzzi will be a great addition in the top six. And a very reasonable contract. I wasn't sure what Bertuzzi was going to get. You know, people were saying he could have gotten a lot more, a longer term deal. But a one year deal and a reasonable cap hit. Bertuzzi, I think he could be finding a long term home in Toronto eventually if things work out here. Another guy to mention, how about Cody Glass, who has really kind of come into his own with the Nashville Predators. To me, he's getting better and better. Two more years, very reasonable number. Once upon a time, he was a top Vegas Golden Knights prospect and draft pick who they did not want to give away in a potential Mark Stone or even Eric Carlson deal. I mean, what a pickup for Nashville. I think he's only going to get better as he gets more and more experience and grows as a player. Absolutely. Cody Glass is the guy I wish the Sens had gotten in return for Mark Stone because, boy, I think he's really going to come into his own here soon. You know, he's shown some real flashes of brilliance with the Predators, and he's got a solid low cap cost deal here. By the time that next contract comes around, he could be looking at a big pay raise. 
Yeah, and sticking with Nashville, how about Luke Shen for three years and 2.75 per? I think maybe last year or the year before, people would question that deal, but this is a guy who has proven his value time in and time out that he's a guy you can rely on in the playoffs. He's very good defensively. He plays physical. He's smart. He doesn't take a lot of penalties. He's a big body. He's in great shape. So age is not an issue with this guy. I think this is an excellent addition to, again, a young Predators team that needed a guy like this to kind of anchor that blue line a little bit more. Absolutely. All right. Well, these are the deals we like, Mac. Let's have some fun and get into the bad deals because there were a lot of good deals this offseason, but there were a fair number of bad deals, as there always are. You know, we mentioned Tristan Jari, five years, $5.38 million. And another one, a similar type deal, is Eunice Corposalo to Ottawa, five years and $4 million per. Both goalies have shown flashes of brilliance, but both goalies don't log a lot of games. Both have had injury troubles, and both have been very inconsistent at times. With Jari and Corposalo, I have very similar thoughts on both their deals, in that it's an overpayment, and I don't like the term on either of them, both at five years. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, they've been inconsistent, both of them. They've shown they can be very good, but they've also shown they can be very average. And again, I, I don't know why you needed to hand out five years to both of them. I think it could have gone three years, maybe even two you could make an argument that those guys should probably sign two-year, one-year prove-it deals because they still have a lot to prove at the NHL level. Absolutely. And Corpusalo in particular, you know, when I first heard the Sens were going to get Corpusalo, I thought, all right, you know, if they're signing him on a two-year deal at, you know, like two and a half, three million, yeah, that's fine, you know. And then I hear five years, four million dollars. This is having Matt Murray vibes all over again, Mac. Mm. This is a lot of money down on a goalie this season, especially when he ended up playing for the Kings. He looked really good. He's never played more than 40 games in a season. His underlying numbers, although are good, I don't think they're $4 million for five years good. The only way this deal really works out is if you run in Corpusalo in a tandem. You know, if you're running a Corpusalo Forsberg tandem in Ottawa, I think this can work out all right. But if you're going to rely on Yunus Corpusalo to be your starter and log 50, 60 games in a season, I don't think it's going to work. And even, even in a tandem, you know, I think that $4 million for five years is an awful long time, especially when Ottawa's got some pretty good goalie prospects in Marilinen and in Sogard. Well, here's the other thing that's kind of strange is what I'm hearing is the plan is to use Corpusalo and Forsberg in a tandem and maybe a little bit of Sogard. But like, I don't know where Ottawa thinks they can rely on a guy like Forsberg at this point, because although, like you said, he's had flashes of brilliance, his whole lower body has had injury issues ever since he came into the league. I think he's one injury away from potentially hanging up the skates at this point. So I'm I'm hoping they're not betting on him and maybe they're going with a Corpusalo Sogard Mandalese tandem or something like that. But do you agree with that that it's really risky to bet on Forsberg coming back and playing, you know, 25-30 games right now? Oh, I think so, you know. And I like Forsberg. You know, I've seen Forsberg play live many times being at the Senators. You're right. You know, he's always had issues with that lower body. And the Sens signed him to a three-year, $3 million contract a couple seasons ago. I was always kind of iffy on that deal because I think Peter Dorian forgets he's got some real good goalies in the pipeline here, right? Sure, they aren't all ready for NHL day in and day out yet. 
I'd rather be riding a Sogard Corpusalo tandem than a Forsberg Corpusalo tandem because I think Sogard is at the point, Mac, where if he plays you know, every three or four games. I think that's exactly the role he can thrive in for now, learn to be a good starter, and eventually he can take over the starter's job. But Forsberg, you know, I think you're really gambling here because there is a chance that Forsberg's going to come back healthy this fall. He's going to look really good. And he and Corpusala are going to make a great tandem here. But there's just as big of a risk that he comes out, struggles, his lateral movement isn't good because of all those lower body injuries, and you're going to have to ride Corpusalo. Speaking of bad deals, I mean, Pat Verbeek came out and said that he doesn't think the Ducks are tough enough, so all he does is sign Alex Kalorn for four years and 6.25 per, and then Radko Gudis for three years and 12 million total. I don't really like any of those deals, do you? No, I don't. What the Ducks need, they don't need toughness right now, Mac. They need players that can play. <laughs> Neither of those guys are worth what they're going to get paid. David Camp at four years and $2.4 million per. This was really surprising. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think anyone thought that he was going to get first off the money, but especially the term. I think the term really caught everyone off guard here, eh? Yeah, I mean, he's a good player. He's a little bit inconsistent. It's it's hard to pinpoint what exactly he is because he had one season where he scored a bunch of goals and then he went really quiet offensively last season and he became more of a defensive forward. I mean, I guess we'll see where his game goes in the next few years, but not a terrible deal, just a little bit surprising. The one I want to point to is Ryan O'Reilly signing with Nashville of all teams, which I didn't think was going to happen. For $18 million for four years. Not sure about this one. No, I think this is way too much for way too long. I don't blame the Predators for targeting O'Reilly because I think he still has some value on pretty much any team in the league. You know, his skating has diminished. He's not the player he once was. You're giving him an awful lot of money and especially a lot of term for a guy that is declining. All right, and lastly, Jonathan Quick with the Rangers. He didn't play at all in the postseason. I think there was probably a reason for that. He was sort of like the the goalie mentor on the bench after being acquired at the trade deadline and playing in very few games and not looking very good. I don't know if the plan is to have him as the backup. Maybe they're just taking a flyer on him to see what happens. But if they do plan to have him as the backup, I don't know if that's a smart decision. Having him as, you know, a third goalie to sit in the press box, basically do what he did in Vegas. I think that's the best thing. <laughs> the goalie mentor. Nothing wrong with that, though. You know, the Rangers, no. they had the cap. Also a nice story. Kyler Yamamoto gets bought out by Edmonton, traded to... Detroit, I believe. And then he signs a one-year deal with his hometown team, the Seattle Kraken. Of course, he played his junior hockey in that area and his family's from the area. So this is really cool. And I think, again, you know, we've said this, I don't know how many times. This is another smart bet by Ron Francis. Absolutely. You know, Kyler Yamamoto has shown some real flashes of brilliance. Yeah, I've said that a lot, but there's a lot of moves like this. And Kyler Yamamoto needed a change of scenery. You need to get out of the shadow of McDryside. <laughs> <laughs> and being able to go home on a reasonable contract. All right, well, Eric Carlson, the latest news is that it's down to Carolina or Pittsburgh. So, I mean, I guess the first question I have to ask you is, how in the world can Pittsburgh acquire a player like Eric Carlson? What do they have to offer, <laughs> Matt? Please enlighten me. <laughs> I mean, the only things I can think of off the top of my head 
Hicks and like I don't know Malkin. Crosby's never going anywhere. Crosby's a non-starter. We mm-hmm. both know that. Mm-hmm. Gensel, like you know, yeah, could be. I guess I, I think for if you're not throwing in a Malkin or a Gensel, I don't think you're even getting that conversation started with San Jose. If you're Pittsburgh, right? Do you really want to trade one of your better players and Jake Gensel for Eric Carlson, who granted had a really good season? I but think is, you do. Well, again, they have to give more salary to make that work, or they have to take on salary. It's just, I'm trying to think of how it could work, because basically it's going to have to be a money-in, money-out deal. Mm-hmm. And if you look at Pittsburgh's roster right now, like you said, their core guys are probably not going anywhere. I guess you could maybe entertain an offer of, like, Gensel and something else. But again, you have to make the money work, and I don't think they have the financial flexibility to do that. I think the other big question we need to ask is why, right? You know, <laughs> you know the other yeah. team in Carolina makes sense, right? Carolina is a team in contention. They could really benefit from a guy like Eric Carlson, right? And that makes sense. But can you can you imagine Jacob Slavin and Eric Carlson as a D pairing? Oh, <laughs> oh my so goodness, good. that would be great. Carolina has the assets, right? They've got guys that San Jose would want. San Jose's rebuilding here. They want futures and they want prospects or guys that are, you know, about to burst onto the scene. And Carolina's got that. To use a meme here, when Carolina says they have a lot to offer, they're serious. They're like, here, pick who you want and we'll make a deal work. And then Pittsburgh's kind of like Patrick in SpongeBob where he says, I have this much money. Take it or leave it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the other team I've heard, and now I think this is just, Sportsnet fantasizing, Mac. I really do. Eric Carlson to Toronto. I don't think it happens. I really don't. But could you imagine that as well? That would be interesting. They have the the pieces to make it work. And again, they would have more to offer than Pittsburgh. You would probably have to move out a guy like Brody, maybe even Riley. But again, I think that could potentially work. And of course, people keep, at least here, keep saying Carlson needs to return home. And I love Eric Carlson. You know I love Eric Carlson. I'm one of his biggest fans, and I'm very happy to see him bounce back. But I don't want Eric Carlson back here. Not at that cap hit. Not with what we'd have to give up for him. The Sens already have a good decor. They've got Chikrin, Shabbat, Sanderson, Zub. I'd rather have a complete top 4D, then, you know, really have to give up a bunch of pieces and prospects and cap for another ride with Eric Carlson. Maybe one day, you know, a league minimum contract as a veteran, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, apparently, from what I'm hearing, the Sharks are not willing to retain 50%, but they're willing to go around 35-40. So again, the team that's acquiring him wouldn't take on the full cap hit, so that does help. I think there's probably some mystery teams poking around that we don't know about. I mean, I would think that every GM, if they can make it work and they have the pieces, is probably interested in acquiring this guy. I mean, he's basically a 99th percentile offensive defenseman, right? Like, that's how good he is. And he's shown that he can be a good two-way defenseman if called upon for that role. The Carolina fit is scary. Very good. I don't think Edmonton needs Eric Carlson, but Ken Holland loves the big splash moves. You and I both know that. Let's end on the Philadelphia Flyers. Very positive draft. Got Mitch Kov. You know, they're not overspending in free agency. They cleared out cap space with the Kevin Hayes deal. It seems to be going well, and I think more moves are still coming. Travis Konechny, maybe Carter Hart. It sounds like Travis Sanheim is in play. What are your thoughts on Danny Breer and Keith Jones as head of the Flyers so far? 
Well, I will say, so far, so good. You and I were both big fans when we heard Mitchkoff to Philly. We were watching the draft, and we kept seeing Mitchkoff fall lower and lower and lower. And you and I were thinking, whoever gets this guy is going to get an absolute steal. Then Danny Breer gets up there says, we're getting Mitchkoff. Great pick. Love that, love that, love that. You're right, they're, they're clearing cap now. Kevin Hayes' contract's gone. As you said, I think there's more moves to come. One move I have heard rumors around here is Travis Konechny potentially linked to Ottawa. Ottawa's got some picks to burn right now. They've got some guys that Philly might like. They've got guys like Clevin. They've got that first that they just got from Detroit. So maybe something happens there. Uh, Hart might be available as well. It's hard to say for sure what they're going to do on Hart. You and I touched on it last episode. Really hard to say there. A lot of teams would be lining up for Sandheim services. That's for sure. So... The Flyers are turning a corner here. I think that they could be a good team a lot quicker than people are realizing. If Danny Briere continues to make some smart moves here, bring in some young guys, clear up some cap space, this is a Flyers team that could be quickly on the rise. Yeah, I agree with that. And one thing to add on Carter Hart that I've noticed just from my observations is Philadelphia is drafting a lot of goalies, man. They just signed a really talented Russian goalie to an entry-level deal that apparently is very high potential. And they drafted a bunch of goalies in the last few drafts so I wonder if the writing's on the wall and Carter Hart's days in Philly are numbered because to me I think they're just about ready to move on when they get the offer that's right because again they're rebuilding they want to give him an opportunity elsewhere they want to get assets in return and move on I do think it's going to happen and with the the shortage of goalies available on the market right now Carter Hart could go at an absolute premium yeah Again, like these are smart things that the organization is doing that, you know, Chuck Fletcher and any of the previous GMs just wouldn't. You got to be optimistic if you're a Flyers fan. Obviously, there's a long way to go, but this is a really good start. Well, anything else you want to touch on here, Mac? No, I I think that's pretty much it for us, isn't it? I think so. You know, there's still some pieces out there. You know, Tatar is still available. Tarasenko is still available. Carlson might get moved any day. Hart might get moved. There's still a lot of offseason to go, Mac. Still a lot of moves to be made. There's arbitration as well. So lots of stuff going on in the hockey world. Enjoy the games. If you're looking for our show, always look for the red, white, and blue logo. And until next time, 